I'm still trying to think of how I can work that word mellifluous into my sermon today, and uh, that's a good... only use it once. Okay. Is that like a sniglet? <laughs> well, this past week, uh, the GOP was able to make it through uh, all of the tropical storm and then hurricane and everything that was blowing there through Tampa. And uh, maybe you saw some of this on the TV. It was on pretty much every night. I think they had to stop on uh, Monday night just to be able to um, meet for 10 minutes. And then that was about all they could do because of the weather. But I was watching several different nights and just trying to get a feel for what was going on in the, uh, in the, the proceedings and uh, just everything that was taking place. And one of the things, other than seeing Clint Eastwood, which I always think is, is cool, he's just a cool guy, uh, but the documentaries and the things that came on to help us understand a little bit more about um, Mitt Romney and Ryan, uh, you could see, of course, in the picture there, that is uh, just right after uh, all this was taking place. They had shown the documentaries of both of them, and really, these little documentaries or many documentaries were to help define who they were. People really didn't understand uh, all that much about Romney because he tends to keep uh, to himself for the most part and his family is such a big part of his life and he certainly um, tries to protect that time, which I could understand if I were in his position. And the same thing about Ryan. Just not much is known about them. So the, uh, the whole idea was to present them as people of family and faith. Those are things that um, were particular to what they were wanting to communicate. And I think they did a, a pretty good job of that, of showing uh, Romney and, and describing a little bit about his upbringing and also his faith, his Mormon faith. And that's something that so many Americans don't know anything about. And so I, I think they did a good job of presenting that. And the same thing with Ryan, of just presenting his, his views and, and his upbringing and all of that. If someone were to do a mini-documentary of your life, what would it look like? How would you be defined? I mean, can you imagine the picture that uh, maybe someone would dig up on you, and maybe it's your mother or your grandmother. Somebody would go and find this picture of you as a baby, and then there would be this Ken Burns kind of description of, of your life all the way up to the present. And, and if that were to happen for you, what would it look like? What kinds of adjectives would be used to describe who you are? And, and how would your faith be described? And, and, and how it turns into certain actions and manifestations in your life. How long would that particular documentary be? Well, James gives us some really great words to use to define our lives with. As we think about the Christian faith, as we think about what it means to to follow in the steps of Jesus Christ, we can really get too complicated with descriptions. Our documentary could be way too long and, and chaotic. James really boils it down for us to the point where Martin Luther didn't even want this book to be in the Bible. He just It wasn't enough of a description of what he thought was a Christ-centered faith. He really wanted to make sure that Paul's words that were revolutionary in Luther's life, that started the whole Protestant Reformation, that those words would be paramount and that the words of James 
because there's really not much of Jesus mentioned there directly, would not be able to um, be as significant as what Paul had to say. And so there's always this balance of faith and works that goes back and forth. But I think there are uh, at least two words that can be used here to define your life and to define what it means to be a Christian. And it's just as simple as James makes it. And, and the first word would, would be be. Be is a great word to describe you. And this is what James uses to uh, really help the people that he is writing to understand who they are in Christ. And as you'll see here in the verse, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. And so we understand the action-oriented aspect of what James is saying. He's all about getting out there and doing something. But before you do, there is this part of be that he wants them to understand. Don't just merely be hearers. Well, let's focus in on that merely part for just a few minutes. And as we consider, uh, as he is mentioning the uh, aspect of hearing, it has everything to do with existence. That their existence in Christ and, and who they were before God was all because of who they were. And it's all because of what they had heard. That they had heard the gospel. And of course, he's reflecting back here on the law as well. Uh, these were uh, those who had followed the law. They had understood it. And then they found the fulfillment of the law in Jesus. And so he is saying, don't just... Um, get out there and think you have to do the law. You, you need to understand who you are. In the next verse, in verse 18, he talks about uh, in fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of its creatures. And he wants them to think about their own spiritual birth and, and the way that they were birthed as new creatures and, and new creation came from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this brought new life to them. And then verse 21, Therefore rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. And that's another description of their existence and, and how they came into existence, how they were born. Just like a seed is planted into the ground, the seed of the gospel was planted in them to bring forth new life and to bring forth a whole new way of living out their actions. And it was all a matter of hearing. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 1. That's not a hard one to find. <laughs> psalm 1. And really, it defines the rest of the psalms. If you think about it, if you go to the very end of the psalms, you can see uh, everything in between really relates to what is said in Psalm 1 as there is this beautiful description of a tree that is planted by the water. And this tree bears fruit, yet it is in the midst of the desert. How does it do it? Well, the tree is planted by the streams of water, and it's able to put its roots down into the ground, and it's able to get all of the nutrients and everything it needs to be able to continue on and produce fruit. And the psalmist is saying, uh, for the person who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night, then he is like that tree. There is this birth that takes place and there is this growth that is facilitated by the Word of God. And so 
as we think about this, we understand that we are to be because of God's Word. I heard a, a joke not too long ago. and You know, joke, good jokes always have to have what? A punchline, which is usually a lawyer <laughs> and a doctor and a preacher. And so this lawyer, doctor, and preacher, they go out and they decide they want to go hunting together, which uh, usually leads to all kinds of problems. But they're headed out in the woods and they're deer hunting and uh, they all get situated in their deer stands and uh, this big buck walks out in the woods and so they all fire on the buck and they run over to where the buck has fallen down and as they get there they start arguing about who actually fired the shot that killed it. They could just see where one shot went through and they all said, no, that was my shot. And they were arguing back and forth and the game warden shows up and says, what's going on here? What, what are you guys arguing about? You're scaring off all the other deer. And um, What is the problem? And they explained to him. The doctor began to you know, do a forensic report and say, this is what happened, and we're arguing about who actually shot the buck. Within a few seconds, the game warden says, well, I know who did it. It was the preacher. The preacher did it. He shot the buck. And they're shaking their heads, the doctor and the lawyer. Said, There's just no way. How would you even know that? And he said, well, it's easy. The bullet went in one ear and went out the other. <laughs> and that's kind of the way it works with preachers, right? But not this morning. You're hearing it, right? And you're staying with me and you're retaining all of this. As you go into the next week, not my words, but hopefully James's words, the word of God, because that helps us be. That if we are going to do, we need to really work on the be part. And as we will look at in coming weeks, these things really uh, are dynamic. And it's kind of the, we talk about the chicken and the egg. Uh, is it be first or do first? Can't you do and be at the same time? And Yes, that is true. But you must understand who you are. And you must develop who you are. And that begins with knowing the Word. Uh, this morning as I was uh, walking around different parts, I could hear um, different Sunday school lessons as, as people were digging into the Word and as they were reading it and talking about it and asking questions and and maybe even standing up against it and, and wondering about it and, and really holding it out there to, to get a better grasp on it. It is about knowing the Word. And the Word points us to the Gospel. That God so loved this world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. All of that directs us to the Gospel. Directs us to the centerpiece of that. In Jesus Christ. And as we hear that word, we begin to know it. And it gives birth to who we are. Have you had birth in your life? We saw the picture of, of Wesley Emmett Hicks on the wall. And he'll forever be embarrassed uh, as we later tell him that he was naked and unashamed um, on the board. Umbilical cord and all. We got to see it all. But as we think about new birth, what would that picture look like of you? As you go out into the community, do people recognize that you've been birthed? Do they recognize that you're a brand new creature 
that you're not the same person that you used to be, but that you are now something new? How do we even get to that point? I mean, there's really nothing we can do specifically to recreate ourselves. How do we do it? It comes from hearing. And hearing comes by showing up to worship like you've done on this Labor Day weekend. You get extra gold in heaven uh, for being here today. But it comes from hearing it. And there are so many ways to hear it. You hear it now. You heard it in Sunday school. You hopefully will hear it as you go throughout the week. As you read the scriptures, you open it up, you listen for God. Hopefully you heard from God and the significance of God's word that comes to us in times of silence, in that one minute of silence that we had. Maybe there will will be other times that you carve out in this next week to where you will hear God's word. And as you hear it, it's a seed that's coming into the soil of your life and it is sown there and it is implanted into who you are. Will that happen? Will you be? Will you exist in the way that God wants you to exist as you go into the next week? So if you will, just say, I will. I've got to get you all a little more involved this morning. Say, I will. Okay. All right. I, I believe that. And the second part of this that James makes real simple is that you will do. Just as simple as that word, do. And James says to them here, there's this call to do that comes in uh, verse 23. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers. See how he, he's bouncing these things, hearing and doing or being and doing. They are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away they immediately forget what they were like. James says, you know, someone looks in a mirror and then just moves right along and begins to wonder, what do I look like? You know, they didn't have mirrors on every wall around them, but they, they had ways for them to, to, to be able to see their reflection through. And I think the way that it was in uh, Tina's translation, it was this glass. It was a, a looking glass or something that would reflect their presence and their identity back to them. And James says it, it's absurd for someone to just look at themselves once and then forget who they are. We don't do that. We want to continue to see how we look and, and uh, to make sure that you know, our hair is straight or to make sure that things are okay. We don't have too many uh, wrinkles or whatever it is. James says that's absurd. And it is absurd for someone to hear the law or to know the Word of God and to look into the depths of the Gospel and then just to walk away and forget what that's all about. To forget who they are in Christ. To forget that they are brand new creatures. And James knew that people that were receiving this letter weren't always living the way they ought to as Christians. They were sliding back into the old creature. You know what that's like? Sure you do. We all do. And James said, don't forget the word that defines you and gives you identity in this world. But the next uh, couple of verses here uh, in verse 25, but those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere. So those who keep going, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act. That's a little phrase I have 
carried with me in this past week that just stuck out to me as I was reading this throughout the week. Doers who act. So maybe not every doer is one who truly acts. One who doesn't, maybe they just talk about it or they hear it and they proclaim to be doers, but they don't, they don't act. They will be blessed in their doing. So those who persevere with the word and with their existence in Christ are blessed in their doing. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Another way that James just breaks it all down. And notice there's nothing here about a creed. There's nothing here about how you dress when you go to church. There's nothing here about um, how much you can do uh, to make God feel good about you. He just says it's this, to care for orphans and widows. They were the most vulnerable in society. And those who uh, would keep themselves unstained by the world, who would keep their souls unstained. Those uh, who do that, they get religion. They understand it. And they are able to look at themselves and recognize who they are in Christ. There was an article in the Chicago Tribune, and maybe you, you heard about this particular individual. His name is uh, Andras Tamas. At least that's what they called him. And the name the officials gave uh, to this man decades ago in a Russian psychiatric hospital. He'd been drafted into the army, but the authorities had mistaken his native Hungarian language for the gibberish of a lunatic and had him committed. Can you imagine? Then they forgot about him. For 53 years, they forgot all about him. A few years ago, a psychiatrist at the hospital began to realize what had happened and helped Thomas recover the memories of who he was and where he came from. He recently returned home to Budapest as a war hero, the last prisoner of World War II. Not only had this man forgotten his real name, he hadn't even seen his own face in five decades. That would drive some of you crazy. <laughs> so according to one news account, for hours the old man studies the face in a mirror. The deep set eyes, the gray stubble on the chin, the furrows of the brow. It is his face but it is a startling revelation. He had forgotten what he looked like. And therefore, he had forgotten who he was. James says that we're the same way. When we are getting away from looking at who we are and looking who Christ has made us to be, these brand new creatures, when we are not doing and taking God's Word and God's law and putting it into practice, then we are forgetting who we are. And it's a tragedy. Not only for us, but for the people around us. So as a Christian, do. Be sure that you are doing and you are hearing the call to action. I think you're here because you've already heard that call to action. We are a church that is about action. And we really measure ourselves more on our action than we do about how many people show up to church on Sunday. Or how many people may be in your Sunday school class. Or how much 
uh, is given in the offering plate. Although, don't neglect that part. <laughs> right, Randy? But it's, it's a matter of understanding that we are all called to action and that action has a particular look in this community. Even in this building, it has a particular look. And it would be absurd for us to look at what God has called us to do and then just drift off and go and do something else. And we're going to celebrate our two-year anniversary on September the 16th. And as we come together to celebrate that, we're going to talk about the things and the actions that we've done. I guarantee you we're not going to talk about um, our long list of beliefs that we have. or We're not going to talk about uh, the uh, mechanics of um, the things that, that we do inside of our, uh, our party wagon. We're not going to talk about um, how beautiful our music is, although we might do that. But it's, it's really about action. It's about getting out into the world around us and what we're doing. And it would be absurd for us to start moving away from that as a church and forget who we are. And there's so many ways we can do that and so many ways that churches do that. And I'm so glad that you don't let that happen. It is a matter of persevering. Continuing to persevere in the action that you've been given. It's hard to do at times, isn't it? We had uh, volunteers gather up here, you saw in the picture, where we passed out uh, 90-something MREs because we couldn't have the meal. We weren't sure if we'd have electricity, we weren't sure if we'd have volunteers, and, and it would be a waste to fix 100 plates of food and two people show up. So we gave out MREs. And there were people who came up here, as you saw in the picture, from various churches that just passed those out. It would have been much better just to be at home and... Um, find something else to do. No, it was a matter of action and persevering. And when we persevere, we experience the blessing that James was talking about. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to find God's blessing in your life and in your relationships and in your work and all that you do? Then get busy. Or stay busy. It's not a matter of just taking up place on a, uh, on a pew. And we do have cushions on the pews. It's a matter of getting up out of the pew and going and doing something. And that's what we're about as a church. Well, what is it that we're supposed to do? James said it's orphans and widows and all these other things. We need to do that. And we need to do it first right here in the church community. To take care of, of those who are the most vulnerable. And we need to do it in the community. Who are the most vulnerable around us? And how can you do something about it? As was mentioned in the announcements, we have all kinds of teams. Meals on Wheels. You can take food to someone who is vulnerable in the community, who is not able to cook food for themselves. Uh, I went over and took a, a meal, I don't know, a month or so ago, and there, there was a lady who was in a wheelchair, and she had a fish. Somebody had brought, I mean, it was just a, a fish about that long. Now, when I catch them, they're about that long. But it was a fish about that long. And she had a knife, and she was trying to cut into this fish, and I don't know what she was going to do with it. And it was nice to be able to hand her a hot meal. And she was so thankful for that. And, and um, I don't know what she ever did with that fish, but I'm glad she didn't have to try to cook that thing. To, to take care of those who are the most vulnerable, the people at the adult daycare center who are vulnerable, they can't stay at home by themselves. And to have someone go and, and be able to love on them and help them 
and, and whatever it is that they need to, to be doing with their hands or with their minds to be able to care for them. Maybe it's one of the uh, six girls over at the Highland Haven who has aged out of foster care and would be homeless without the Highland Haven to be able to care for them and pray for them and be devoted to them. Maybe it's at the Veterans Center uh, with uh, men, 50 men who are at that Veterans Center who may not be connected to their families any longer and no one perhaps thinks about their birthday and no one's there to celebrate their sobriety birthday either. To go over there and to provide a birthday cake and spend 10 to 15 minutes just singing, well, you don't sing that long, but <laughs> singing happy birthday and just getting to know them and building relationships with them. The most vulnerable in community are those that we need to go to. We need to continue to take action to live out our faith and that be part of who we are. There's a, a great quote by uh, the wonderful poet Rumi. I love Rumi. Let the beauty of what you love be what you do. Y'all are all very beautiful. And you're beautiful because you let that beauty come through your actions and what you do. May God bless you as you go to your works of action this week that are generated out of your faith of who God has made you to be in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.